John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And uh, we're, we're not uh, going to be in Romans tonight, continuing our series there. Uh, next Sunday night is Brother Daniel's last service with us. He's going to be preaching in the Sunday night service, and we're going to have a little party at, at Rose's afterwards. It's Rose's night that night, and just looking forward to hearing him preach. And then the next Sunday night is Brother Gillett. He's going to be with us. Uh, so as much as I wanted to preach on Romans tonight, I felt the Lord kind of leading us elsewhere uh, for this service. But John chapter 21, and let's go ahead and stand together here. There was a Sunday school teacher that had just uh, finished the lesson about the forgiveness of God, and she wanted to make sure that she made her point. And as you would, you ask the kids some questions, you give out some candy, and she asked the question of the whole lesson. She said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can have forgiveness of sin? And all the kids are kind of looking at each other. One boy raised his hand very confidently, and he said, sin. He said, you must sin before you can get forgiveness of sin. Yeah, that is, that's correct. But I'm thankful tonight. Uh, for the forgiveness of sin that we have in our, in our Savior, in our God. And uh, we're going to see a man here in John chapter 21 named Peter, who we know much about. And he was a faithful servant of the Lord. He was one of his best disciples. He uh, cut a man's ear off to protect Jesus. But shortly after, he denied him three times, just as Jesus said he would. And we're going to look here tonight at the grace of God and an undeserving disciple. But John chapter 21 here, beginning in verse 15. So, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter is grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is, Lord, just to be here together tonight. I pray that you would help us, Lord, as we're here John chapter 21, looking at the life of Peter, that you would give us, God, exactly what you have for us. Lord, I pray that we'd be encouraged, God, by the grace that you showed on the life of Peter, and Lord, the same grace that is available to us tonight. Lord, bless us, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we get here to John chapter 21, the most defining moment in human history has happened. Jesus, a few days before, had died on the cross. He paid the debt that no other, no other man could pay. And three days later, he raised himself from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples and to his followers as the resurrected Savior. He conquered death. Just as he told them he would. And Christians everywhere rejoiced. But as, I, as we look here in, in the book of John, and as we look at everything that happened following the resurrection of Jesus, everybody was rejoicing. Everybody was excited to see Jesus, all the disciples, except for one, I believe. Peter. Because the last time that Jesus saw him, he let him down. The last time that Jesus saw him before he died, Peter denied him three times. And, and I can imagine Peter now just there sitting in his failure, returning to his old vocation of fishing as we look here at the beginning of chapter 21. And we, we look here, Peter was sitting in a boat and he's fishing as he did many other times before, but this time he is sitting there thinking of how he had let his Savior down. 
probably remembered watching Jesus travel the road to the house of the high priest. Thinking of every single moment, every single decision he made and playing it over and over again. How he stopped being faithful to his Savior. And we look in, in the book of Luke. Go ahead and turn there with me. Luke chapter 22. He let fear take him away from his faithfulness to God, but Jesus had already warned him about this. Luke chapter 22, verse 54 says, And they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. You know, Peter kept a safe distance from Jesus. And like Peter, when we keep a safe distance from Jesus, when we follow him afar off, we're going to make mistakes. It will result in failure, it will result in regret. At first, it's just small little decisions that we may make, maybe just to not pray as we should or read our Bible as we should or do the things that we know to be right. And those things easily lead us further from the Lord till we, like Peter, are following afar off. And that distance from God led him to deny the Lord. Look at verse 60. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned, that's Jesus, and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I can imagine Peter making that decision and then locking eyes with Jesus, understanding what he had just done and that, that weight of guilt, all that, the feelings that he had felt from letting him down, doing exactly what Jesus warned him he was going to do, and, and the feeling and the conviction that he no doubt felt at that moment. And we look here in John chapter 21. Peter had his denial. Jesus had risen from the dead just a few nights before, and now he was returned to his comfort zone as a fisherman, depressed and, and backslidden and far from Jesus in his relationship with him. And as we look at Peter and as we think of the position he was in, in his mind and his heart at this moment, can you relate to that? Have you ever had a time or a moment in your life where you let God down or you, you sinned against him? You know what you did. You know the decision you make. You knew what you needed to do not to give in to the sin, but you did anyways. There was a time where you failed him and you were broken. But you needed restoration in your relationship with God. You know, every believer has been there. But as, but as Peter was going to learn, God delights in giving grace and giving Second chances. Look, look at Mark chapter 16. Jesus died. Three days later, he raised from the dead. And we look here in Mark chapter 16, the morning of the resurrection. The angel has a special message for the women that were there. Verse 16, verse 7 of Mark, chapter 16, verse 7 of Mark, it says, But go your way, tell his disciples, which how many of them does that include? The 11 that were left, right? But not just tell his disciples, but tell his disciples and who? Peter. That he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him as he said unto you. Those two words in there I find pretty awesome. Tell his disciples, but not just the disciples, tell the disciples and specifically Peter. That revealed that not only did Jesus want to see Peter, but that, that he wanted Peter to know he still loved him. Jesus wanted Peter to know, even though you failed me, even though you denied me as I said you would, I still care for you. And Jesus, I'm thankful, refused to give up on him. And, and Jesus, as our perfect example, demonstrated forgiveness as he pursued Peter. 
The first thing I want to look at tonight is the pursuit of Jesus. The pursuit of Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. Jesus loves you. God loved us so much even though we failed him, even though we went against him, he gave his son to pay a debt we could never pay. And understanding tonight, just as we spoke about this morning, the love of Christ is something that will never leave us, never forsake us. The love of God that is there should be an overwhelming concept for us to comprehend. And then that should move us to be different. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So since time began, Jesus knew you and Jesus loved you. And his love for you was so great that he died on the cross to have a relationship with you. And even after you're saved, Jesus never stopped seeking a close relationship and close fellowship with us. We look at a brief look at Jesus going after Peter, revealing that truth to us. It was a personal pursuit. I want you to think through this situation with me here in John chapter 21. There were many things that Jesus could have said to Peter. There are many things that Jesus could have confronted him about it. Peter denied him three times, and Jesus could have said, you know what, I warned you, you did it, you didn't believe me, it happened anyways, I looked you in the eye after that third time, the cock crew, you denied me, you let me down, you're no longer getting the advantage, you're no longer getting the blessing of my love and my relationship. He could have given up on it. He could have waited for Peter maybe, because Peter's the one that did wrong. He could have waited there for Peter to come to him and ask forgiveness. But that's not what Jesus did. He reached out to him. And he reached out to him knowing that Peter's faith was at a very weak state at that point. And and, and we find Jesus specifically appearing to Peter. We look in Luke chapter 24, verse 34. The Lord has risen and hath appeared to Simon. He went to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, it says, And that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve. Shortly after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples except Thomas, including Peter. He went to just Peter specifically. As we look here in John chapter 20, Jesus re- revealed himself to his disciples there and They had just lived through some of the most painful days of their life. They were fearful. They were discouraged. They needed that peace and reassurance. So Jesus came to them and to help them. Just like the disciples, so many times we live in in fear, don't we? We live in discouragement. We we allow ourselves to go about our day with a defeated mindset. And and sometimes that separates us in our relationship with Christ. But that does not stop Jesus from pursuing us. We first of all see the pursuit of Jesus at the moment of salvation. We think about Jesus and the way he went after Zacchaeus and he sought an opportunity to witness to him. We had this, this, little, this little man that climbed a tree far from where Jesus was, probably hundreds of people separating him and Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He went right where he was, signaled him to come down. And we look in Luke chapter 19, it says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. There are many people probably asking Jesus, what are your plans for lunch? Where are you going to stay tonight? What are you going to, what are you going to do? What, what, what are your plans for the rest of the day? But Jesus went to the man who hadn't said anything to him going after him because he cared for him individually. What about the Samaritan woman? 
They arrived there outside of Samaria. They're at the well and they were waiting there. Jesus sent the disciples into town to get food. And he waited there specifically for one woman. And a woman that really, according to her works, didn't deserve Jesus to speak to her. But he sought her individually. God is seeking sinners to come to repentance. The Bible says our theme verse for our series on Sunday mornings for the Son of Man has come to what? Seek. Seek. Understand this tonight. You have been personally pursued by a Savior that loves you passionately. And that desires not only to have you be saved, but he then desires a relationship with you. What a thought. thought. And if you're here tonight and you are not saved, go to him. He came seeking you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you are saved, but your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, you've grown distance from him, go back to him. You're his child and he wants fellowship with you. It's a personal pursuit. and It's also not just personal, it's a diligent pursuit. We look here at this exchange in chapter 21 between Peter and Jesus and we get a glimpse into the power of restoration. We we look at this story and Jesus reveals his his diligence and how he pursues us even when we failed him. We look in our text here in verse 15. It says, And when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Jesus asked Peter two, two more times after this, lovest thou me? He asked Peter three times if he loves him, just as Peter denied him three times. I mean, Jesus says, lovest thou me more than these? That word more means in a superior way or with excellence. So Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, now you've gone back to fishing, but do you love me in a more superior way than you love your job? Do you love me in a more superior way than you love your wife? Do you love me in a more superior way than you love anything else in this world? And and it's a question that Jesus asked Peter, but it's a a question also that we should ask ourselves. Do I love Jesus like I should? Do I love him more than my career? Do I love him more than, than anything else I have in this world? Do I love him more? Do I love him more superior than anything else? Jesus, as he pursued him, wanted to know what Peter valued the most. If Peter loved his former life more, or as we found out, if maybe he loved his personal security more. He saw what they were doing to Jesus there, and as the question was asked, he's probably watching out for himself a little bit at that moment. You know, all of us face the challenge of not knowing, of challenge to not allow anything other than Jesus to take first place in our life. The Bible tells us no man, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and despise the other, or he will hold to the one, excuse me, for either you hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot serve two masters. Jesus needs to be the one who comes first in every affection that we have. And it's easy to let our desire for better things or more security or a certain position or a dream for the future or any other thing compete with our affection for Jesus. It's an easy thing. There's many things in this world that we want, aren't there? 
There's many things that we look forward to in the future that we desire to have, but we need to make sure we live in such a way where nothing replaces our love for Jesus. And if that has happened in our life, we need to set a priority for Jesus to be first in our life. Nothing is worth worth replacing the devotion that we should have in Jesus. So so I want want us to encourage you to to determine this in your mind tonight. Nothing, not your old life, not your old ways, not your old ambitions, nothing should matter more to you than your relationship with Jesus. And this this choice is really one of the first steps in the discipleship process. If we love Jesus more than other things, it requires sometimes for us to count the cost, doesn't it? If we look back at our story and Jesus and Peter's conversation went much deeper than a question. Jesus knew that Peter needed to be proven at this point. So we first of all see the pursuit of Peter. Then we see the proving of Peter. The examination of Peter. You know, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And as Jesus was asking him in that certain way, those three times, he was trying to prove Peter's love for him. Examine it. You know, Peter loved the Lord. Peter did love the Lord. He said he did. We see from the things he did that he loved him, but it wasn't the sacrificial love that Jesus desired. If you look here in these verses, Jesus said, lovest thou me more than these? Verse 15, verse 16, he said, lovest thou me? Verse 17, lovest thou me? Do you love me? You know, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The word for love that he used was the agape love. That's an unconditional or a selfless love. So Jesus three times asked Peter, do you love me with an agape love? Do you love me with a sacrificial love? Do you love me with an unconditional love? One that doesn't change based on your circumstances. In the first two times that Peter answered him, he responded to Jesus, yes, I love you. But he didn't say agape. He said, I love you with a phileo love. So Jesus, do you love me? Do you agape me? Peter said, Yes, I phileo you. Do you love me with a selfless love? And Peter said, yes, I love you with, like a friend. I, I approve of you. I, I want this relationship, but as you're asking me this question, I, he, he didn't answer, yes, I love you with this selfless love. And Jesus was asking Peter if he loved him with the utmost love, and Peter was replying, yes, I, I, I love you. I approve of you. You know, sometimes this is how relationships seem to go. Sometimes what was once an agape love turns into a phileo love. But Jesus needed more than phileo love. He needed this selfless love. And the world, as we look at it, is full of a self-serving love. A love that is given, a love that is loyal, as long as there are personal benefits for me in return. There's this young woman that wrote to her ex-fiance with an, an apology after breaking the engagement. It says this, Dear Johnny, no words could express my unhappiness since I broke off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. I love you. I love you. I love you. She wanted him back. Love always, Jane. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. She loved him when it could benefit her, didn't she? We tend to love people when everything's going right in our relationships with them. We tend to love Jesus and talk about our love for Jesus when our Christian life is what we want it to be or hope it to be. But Jesus was asking Peter for something deeper than that. 
Several weeks before this point in history, Jesus had his entry into Jerusalem. And on that special day as the palm leaves were laid out on the street, everybody was praising God and praising Jesus, including Peter. You know, Peter had no reservations about claiming devotion to Jesus at that point because everybody else was doing it. It was a happy thing. It was an exciting time. And, but when we get to the point when Jesus was being judged there, when Jesus was being beaten, the crowd was mocking Jesus, and Peter didn't remain faithful at that point. He loved him when it was easy, and then when it was a little tougher, when it might threaten his position where he was, he didn't remain faithful. Every one of us tonight need to strive and be committed to an agape love for Christ that remains strong regardless of what is going on around us. Regardless of what battles we may be facing or what circumstances may look like for us, we still should love our Lord with a selfless, sacrificial love. Look at Mark chapter 12, it says, But thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. I want to tell you tonight, without real devotion to the Lord, we cannot expect victory in our Christian life. You know, Peter, this was something that he didn't know at the time, but eventually he learned this. And and months later, at this point on the day of Pentecost, Peter boldly preached the gospel, even when threatenings were all around him and thousands of people were saved. But as we look at this point, just a few days after Jesus had risen from the grave, Peter had not yet learned to love Jesus with an agape love. I think it's safe to say tonight that if, if this moment hadn't happened, if this proving of Peter's love for Jesus hadn't happened, a few months later that message would not have been preached by him. The Lord challenged Peter to show his changed heart from pride to humility, and he was calling him from serving self to serving Jesus. If we look at Peter's denial, one thing that we could know about Peter, he was bold, but he was also very proud, wasn't he? He wanted to be on top, he wanted to be the number one man, he wanted to stand up and and take a stand at certain times when it benefited him, and look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room the night before he was crucified. And he told them, one of you will betray me. And when he said that, Peter objected. He insisted he was willing to die with Jesus. That's what he said. We see another example of the love of Jesus in that he warned Peter he would deny him. But even though it hadn't happened yet, even though he was warning him, he assured him before it ever happened that he would show grace. Look at at chapter 22 of Luke, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He says, Peter, Satan wants to take your life and turn it upside down. He wants to make a giant mess out of it. He wants you to fail, and he doesn't want you to ever do anything for me. Then he says in verse 32, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. He says, Peter, this is going to happen. I'm praying for you. I've already forgiven you. Look at verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Not me. 
It won't happen to me. I'm at a position. I, I love you enough. I'm strong enough. It will not happen to me. What did he say in verse 34? And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day. Before that, thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Jesus didn't say, if you fail, I'll be there for you. He said, when you fail, I'll be there for you. And he said, when you fail, I'll pray you'll be converted. I want to tell you tonight, God knows that you will fail him. God knew before you were saved that you would fail him beyond salvation. He knew you would turn, turn your back on him from time to time. He knew that you would sin against him. He knew that you, you, would, you would fall to that temptation. God knew those things. And during those times of failure, Satan will work as hard as he can to pull us further from God beyond the sin. But God's plan is different. God's, God's plan in that moment and his desire is for us, after we fail, to return to him. That word converted that Jesus used, he said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That word converted is referring to a turning back of Peter after he turned from God. And in, and in, this, in this case, he wants Peter to, after you failed me, to turn back. Jesus knew he would fail, but he also knew through his failure that Peter would be humbled from the self-confidence that he lived in and return to following Christ as he should. And as believers, I can think of many times in my life in the moment of salvation that I needed to repent and come back to the Lord. And it's not an easy thing for any of us to admit sin. It's not an easy thing for us to acknowledge that, that we failed God. It's not an easy state of mind to be in when we've let him down. But the joy that comes to a restored relationship with Jesus is more wonderful and brings more pleasure than any sin could ever bring to any individual. And Jesus, he's questioning Peter at this moment there on the shores of Galilee, uh, speaking and, and urging him to, to commit a true love to him. But as he was doing that, he exposed this deficiency in, in, of love that Peter truly had for Jesus. And he says, I want you to stop loving me with this phileo love, and you need to start loving me with an agape love. He wanted to prove his love, and he was also looking to prove his love by his labor. If we sincerely love God as we should, we will labor for him. That's the point that Jesus was making. We look uh, in verse, verse 15, he says, he say that to him, feed my lambs. If you love me, serve me. If you love me, feed my sheep. That word feed means to being devoted to the Lord's service as an under-shepherd who cares for the flock. And as we mature in our walk with Christ, we have a responsibility to build other people up, to edify other people who might be weaker in the faith, to disciple someone or to help them in their walk with the Lord. And Jesus knew that very soon from this point, he was going to ascend into heaven. Very soon he was going to leave the world as, as it was and he had men chosen and men that were anointed that were going to turn the world upside down as we understand that they did. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. A lot of turning tonight, but it's, it's helpful. You know, Jesus, as he was trying to prove, have Peter prove his love to him, knew in just a short amount of time he was going to be preaching that sermon at Pentecost and in the years following that, there was a lot of people, a lot of young Christians, a lot of new believers that would need a pastor. 
And Peter himself, many, many years later, wrote these words of encouragement to other pastors. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, it says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You know, Peter understood his job as an under-shepherd was not to be the over-shepherd. He wasn't in charge of the church. He wasn't the one that these people needed to look to. They needed to look to God, but he was going to be the one that could lead them in service. That could lead them to a stronger relationship with God. It's a little different mindset than what he had before. You know, for this, for this to be accomplished and for Peter to serve God as he needed to, he first needed to love the Lord with an undying love. And, if for, and for any of us tonight to minister to other people as our God intends us to, we need to have a true, genuine love for Christ. And when we truly minister, we demonstrate that love. So we see the things of Peter tonight. What are the priorities we need to have from this example we find? We've all been redeemed. We've all been forgiven. But God did not redeem you so you could live for you. God did not redeem me so I would live for myself. There are priorities that need to be in place in the life of every Christian. And one priority that needs to take place in our life is a priority to serve. Jesus told Peter to serve by feeding the lambs. Young believers need to be nurtured. Young believers need to be discipled. Then he, then he told Peter to, to, to feed his sheep. The food that Jesus was speaking of was a, the milk and the meat of God's words, and that requires uh, being able to skillfully handle the word of God and to preach it and to teach it and to help others come to an understanding of it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, I'll read it to you. It says, For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So there's many people that should be at a point where they can teach that can't. Because they are not strong in their knowledge of God and their relationship with God. It says, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He needed Peter to grow to a point in his knowledge of God so he could then get the milk and then get the meat to those who have grown enough. You know, many, many times a person accepts Jesus and then they begin the Christian life and they begin serving and, and, and get positions in, in the church without anyone ever feeding them or encouraging them. And as a result, there's many churches around the world that we live in who have people serving, and, and which, which we need to serve for the moment of salvation. I'm not saying that, but there are people that have positions and are, and are so busy uh, serving and, and leading that their growth was stunted before it ever really took place. And that is a recipe for failure. 
There's going to be many battles that come where victory will not be had because people haven't been discipled and, and grown to a point where they are strong enough for the battles. We need to make sure that we, first of all, are, are putting ourselves in a position under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and, and have been disciples and understand the Word of God. So as we serve and try to help others, we can't be led astray. We, can't, we, we won't fall. We won't uh, hurt the testimony of the church or, or the testimony of Christ. And then as we serve, serve out of love, not duty. I'm thankful for the spirit of our church and I'm thankful for, for many, many people that, that want to be, be part of all of this with us and, and reach people and, and catch the vision and all those things. But I want to encourage you, please don't allow the day to come when I've been here long enough or when I've gained enough respect that you are serving because of me. Not just because pastor asked you to do something or it would make pastor happy, but serve because you love your God. Because eventually I'm going to let you down. <laughs> eventually I, I may say something that hurts your feelings. Or I may ask you to do something one too many times and, and when you're serving out of a love for me or out of a duty to the church and not a love for God, eventually you're going to get tired. Don't, don't just serve because you, don't just serve in the nursery because you love kids. Because eventually you're going to change one too many diapers. You're going to be one too many criers. One too many moms that complain about something that happens in the nursery ministry where because you're serving out of duty and out love for Christ, you'll be ready to give in. Don't go knocking on doors just because that's what we do. Because it's not fun always. <laughs> not always easy. Eventually somebody's going to say something that hurts you or that offends you or, or, so, or you just get weary from, from, from people going door to door and, and, and nobody wants what you, are, what you are giving or what you're trying to tell them about and you'll be weary and you'll stop. Do not serve in any capacity out of duty. Serve out of an agape love for Jesus. There's been many people in my life that I've cared about, but there's, there's, there's no people in my life I care about more than my family. There's a lot of kids that I, that I really want to help. You know, go in ministry, and we worked in the junior high early on, there's a lot of kids that I cared for and wanted to help, but you know what? They're annoying. <laughs> Sometimes they don't listen. Sometimes you, you try to help them, and, and they, they reject it, or... And sometimes it, it, it's hard to, to continue on if, if that's what's driving us. But you know what? My children, they let me down a lot. They, they sin against me. They disobey me. But you know what? I continue to be their dad because I love them with a selfless love. It's not just a brotherly love. It's a selfless love. Serve your God with an agape love. And if we love him with a selfless love, if we love him with a sacrificial love, what other people might do to us will not deter us from true service. Priority to serve others in God with true love. Second thing, not just to serve him, but to sacrifice. You know, Peter sat on the shore there in John chapter 21. He didn't know the road of hardship that awaited him. But serving God was going to be worth every sacrifice he would ever make. You know what that included? 
jail time, unjust persecution, eventually martyrdom to the point of being hung on the cross upside down. You know, Jesus told Peter in John chapter 21 verse 18 that eventually there'd come a day where Peter, being a strong man, that strength was going to fail him and somebody else would carry him to his death. Look at verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself. And walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Doesn't sound fun to me. Peter was going to have a, a very genuine knowledge of suffering. I want you to turn to First Peter. We're done here in just a couple minutes. It's the last passage we'll turn to, okay? First Peter chapter 4. Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to be tired. You're going to have difficulty in serving me. You're going to be weak. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, we see this once prideful man with a different mindset. Chapter 4, verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. He was reproached when Jesus was being persecuted and he wasn't happy about it, was he? He denied him. He ran. But he says, if ye be reproached now for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. When you suffer, be happy, because it's for Jesus. Because it's not about us. None of us, I don't, I don't think anybody in here, uh, Wednesday night when we take prayer requests, are going to say, you know what, it's been a while. I, want, I would last, like God to bring a trial to my life. I don't think anybody's ever going to say that. I haven't been persecuted in a while. Everything's going great at work. I would like things to change. Nobody, nobody wants that. You know, Jesus came to bring us life more abundantly. But that life that's more abundant often involves sacrifice. It often includes trials. So Jesus was looking to Peter, and he wanted him to be a true disciple. And church history tells us that Peter did prove his love for Jesus by dying that death. In AD 67, Peter was put on a cross and crucified for preaching Jesus. You know, as we follow the Lord, I want to encourage you to be willing to give him your all, even if it meant life. We're going to go ahead and close here. You know, sometimes many Christians get the idea that discipleship means following Jesus or praising Jesus or testifying about Jesus when it's convenient. Or just living for Jesus and on these two days a week or living for Jesus in this, these couple areas of my life. We, we love Jesus. Most people, those people will tell you they, they love Jesus. But too many times Christians love their comfort more than they love Jesus. And as we look in John chapter 21, that is not the love that Jesus was asking from Peter. Do you agree tonight that Jesus deserves better from us. 
Do you agree with me tonight that he needs to be the highest priority in any of our lives? The Bible tells us in that he died for all. Grasp those words right there. We didn't deserve it. We we deserve to die. But he says in that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Because of what he's done, he deserves everything we could ever give him and more. So what about it tonight? Are we serving him as we should? Are we living for him or for ourselves? Are the decisions that we are making and the, the choices that, that we make, the attitude that we live by, the, the way we, we, we may treat our, our family or the way the decisions that we're making with our kids, are they made for us, for them, or for him? As we go about our life and as we meet inconveniences or trials, are we living in a, with a selfless love, being the witness we should be, loving others who don't deserve it as, as, as we've been commanded to, showing patience in, in difficulty or showing patience in trying times? Are we encouraging others who may not deserve it? I'm thankful for Peter tonight because he's a disciple that I can really relate to. He had good intentions. You know, Peter, Peter told him just a few days before, no, it's, I won't deny you. I believe those intentions. But no, how, no matter how good your intentions may be for the Lord, there's always the aspect of our human flesh that we can fail him the moment he's not first in our life. But as we look at Peter, we see a snapshot of the grace of God and even in your failures Jesus invites every one of us back to him he's the God of second chances he's the God of 50th chances he forgives us freely and desires nothing but a true relationship and service from us so how are we going to respond to that Undeserved grace for disciples who fail the Savior. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord.